So friends, three Sundays and three pillars that we want to build on as a church. These scripture readings, we're not going to read them all up front, but we'll be reading them as we move forward in the message. Our mission as a church is the same as it's always been. Big picture, it's given to us and to all churches by Jesus in Matthew 28, right? We're going to listen to that right now. When the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then could we read this together? This is the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Each church is called to carry out the Great Commission in the time they're living in, in the place, in, in the world that they're living in. And, and for Faith CRC, given our history, given our, our strengths, given our, our commitment to the Reformed Confessions, what we talk about is we want people to experience God's Word express God's love, and equip God's people. In the last year, a strategic team met to bring a recommendation about how and where to focus in terms of carrying out that mission better. And three main ideas stood out after our conversations. And we noticed, and we weren't trying to do this, but each one of the main ideas that we came to connected with one of the E's of our mission statement. And we started calling these three ideas the three pillars. And the idea is that we at Faith Church would grow, as Pastor Matthew said, more devotional, more relational, and more aspirational. Council discussed this and approved uh, this focus for our congregation for the next while. Uh, we want to grow, first of all, to be more devotional. And we think there's a need there. Part of the information gathering of the strategic team was a denominational survey that Faith was part of in 2017. Many of you filled that out, and we were able to see our congregation's responses in comparison uh, to all the other responses throughout our denomination. And one area where we were below average on, in terms of others in the Christian Reformed Church of North America, was in the area of personal and family devotions. And we were a little bit surprised at that. We wouldn't have guessed that, you know, we had, I don't know, 75 or so people respond, and their responses on average were lower than the responses of people throughout our denomination. One, one thought about that was, well, 
we're just rating low there because at faith, we're, we're just super humble people. We're very humble about how good our devotional life is. And then we thought, well, maybe everybody else in the denomination is just exaggerating how great they are at devotions. But if you take it on face, on, at face value, we need to grow in the area of personal and family devotions. And guess what? Regardless of a survey, we all know, we all want to grow devotionally in our walk with uh, the Lord. So to be more devotional is a strategy for how to better experience God's word. And our biblical foundation for that first E of our mission statement is especially focused on some verses in Romans 10. And I want to read those together with you. You know what? I need to go down here. For some reason, I'm having trouble with this back screen. But it's up. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? Let's read this together. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so before, before we focus on that devotional pillar, I want to zoom out to that bigger picture of experiencing God's word in our church. Experiencing God's word in our church. We value the word of God as a church family. I have no doubt about that. Our elders ask us as pastors to provide two different sermons, morning and evening, every Sunday, to feed and to equip our people. And sermons, you know, what's going on with a sermon and, and preaching? That's not like listening to a college lecture. It's very different. By God's grace, preaching creates faith in Jesus and changes our lives and touches our hearts. And our fervent prayer is that when people come to Faith CRC, they would truly experience, experience God's word. Not just hear it like a lecture, often one ear out the other, Timothy 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that the Bible, God's word, is God-breathed. That's literally what inspired means when we talk about God's inspired word. And that the Bible is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so God's word is vital. It's, it's powerful. It's necessary. And in a very special way, that's true of God's word faithfully preached. I've experienced that power of God's word proclaimed many times in my life. But the time that stands out the clearest was when I was a boy living in the Netherlands. I lived there uh, from ages 11 to 14 uh, because my dad was 
studying. At a, he was a pastor for a while, and then he decided to do some more studying to get another degree, and the best place to go for what he wanted to do was a theological university in the Netherlands. Um, he did his doctoral work there in preaching. Yeah, you can, you can actually do that, doctoral work in preaching. Well, one Sunday, just my dad and I, um, I was, I'm the oldest of our family, and the others are quite a bit younger, uh, especially at that time. We drove to a, a town called Urk, U-R-K. Um, so I don't know how clearly you can see that, but see right in the middle there, that, that's, this is like from Google Maps, Urk's right in the middle of that circle. And you can see it's, and we lived, if you look over a little bit, there's a town called Zwolle, Z-W-O-L-L-E, and right near Zwolle is Kampen, where we lived. And this part of the Netherlands, so over here is like Amsterdam, the place you normally go when you visit, Utrecht, The Hague. It's a very, very busy area in terms of people all over the place. And where we lived, it was a little quieter. There were a lot more open spaces. Kampen, you know, we have some Van Kampens in our church. Van Kampen literally means from Kampen, this town that we lived in. So we traveled from there, and I don't want to get overly sidetracked, but I could talk about my experience in the Netherlands quite a bit. But so we moved to, you see that Urk there in the middle is right on the edge of water. Over the centuries, Urk was an island where they, where they focused on fishing. But what happened after World War II, you see it's not an island there anymore. The land to the, to the east and the southwest it was all reclaimed from the sea. They created a whole new province. And so that's why Urk is not an island anymore. But Urk, my dad knew, U-R-K, had a number of very solid churches, and my dad wanted uh, to visit one. Um, these I just, for fun, threw up. These are, that's Urk. Um, and actually, I studied in the Netherlands with Sarah and little Olivia, who's now 19, that's her there, um, in 2001. And so that's Urk in 2001. Kind of speed through these a little bit. But the church, uh, I found the church that my dad wanted us to go to on Google Maps. And it's right there. You can see the building. Um, and this is the inside of the church, and it looked very much like that then. So what my dad didn't realize is how long the sermons would be at this church. We went to both services. There was one in the morning and one in the afternoon. Um, they used to be in the afternoon because at the time of the Reformation, when there started to be two services, there was no electricity. So you had to do it during daylight. So services, and some still today, are in the morning and in the afternoon. So each sermon was 55 minutes. Not the service, the sermon. The second sermon was on, we've talked about the catechism a couple times today. The second one was on question and answer 41 of the Heidelberg Catechism. 
It's about the briefest question and answer. The catechism says, why was Jesus buried? The answer, his burial testifies that he really died. 55 minutes on that. All right? So afterwards, uh, my dad felt really bad. I must have been 12, 13 at most, that I had to sit through those lengthy sermons. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, so son, those were long sermons, huh? And this is what my response was. They felt like 10 minutes. And I wasn't like trying to sugarcoat it. That's honestly what I felt. I was just being straightforward. Dad, they felt like 10 minutes. And they really, truly did to me, a 12-year-old. That's how much God's word preached grabbed me and captured me and pulled me in that day. And that's the power of God's word when it's preached faithfully, like we want to preach it here. Soundly biblical, relevant to our everyday lives, bringing us closer to Jesus and touching our hearts. That's why we talk about experiencing God's word. And just like I experienced God's word that day, I bet you have too at different times in your life. Maybe you didn't experience a 55-minute sermon like 10 minutes, but I bet you've had it because I've heard it from many of you that you felt like on a given Sunday, a given message, a given part of a message, that God was talking right to you. Something that there's no way the pastor preaching could have known about, whether it it was you in in a terrible time of suffering, whether it's you uh, in, in being convicted of something in your life that there's no way the pastor would have known, but God spoke to you. And then, you know, Something I want to share, too, is a, a, a specific conversation that I had with a couple once related to all of this, um, the, how incredibly God's word touches us and speaks to us. Um, this, this couple t- was talking about a single verse that struck them from uh, a sermon was based on this verse And they heard it shortly after a very painful loss. And that painful loss was almost 35 years ago. But it stayed with them ever since through God's word preached. It's it's right here for them still. And so you start to get a sense of, of why we prioritize God's word at faith. Uh, Romans, I'm going to wait there. Romans 10, so we experience this, but Romans 10 that we read explains what's going on with preaching. We read, all who call on the name of the Lord are saved. And then we get some answers to important questions we might have about that. Well, if, if, if it's, you're saved when you call on the name of the Lord, how do we call on his name? And then Paul, who wrote Romans, says, well, we need faith. 
How do we get faith? He goes on. It's through hearing the word. Well, how do we hear the word? Through preaching is what Paul says. How can people believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? In the original language of the Bible, that of is not there before whom. And so it should really be, instead of that top, where that of really shouldn't be there, it should, this is better. How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? Which is very different. And in fact, many Bibles, I don't, I looked uh, this week, our NIV Pew Bibles do not have this, but many Bibles have a footnote at verse 14 that they often will say, of whom in the main text, and then in the footnote, or whom. So, can you get the difference between these two? The of whom, how can they believe in the one of whom, or whom? It's telling us something so incredible that we wouldn't dare even suggest it. And certainly I wouldn't as a pastor unless the Bible says it. The Bible's telling us that in faithful preaching, and I say faithful preaching because we acknowledge not all preaching is faithful preaching, but in faithful preaching, when God's word goes out, we're not just hearing stuff about Jesus, but God's people are hearing Jesus himself. That's the difference between those two, right? The whom is Jesus. And and so Romans 10 explains biblically how a sermon rightly preached by God's grace can speak to you and me so directly. And it's because Jesus has chosen to speak to us today, in our world, in our situation, in our lives, in our church right now. And so that's the expectation that we come with when we go into worship, uh, where we hear God's word preached. So in preaching, in a very special way, God's word comes to us. But also, we want that power of God's word uh, to reach all parts of the church. In Sunday school, we're committed with our own in-house curriculum to bring kids through all the major stories of the Bible from first through fifth grade. From sixth through twelfth grade in catechism, we go a bit deeper into the teaching of the Bible and its application to our culture and world. Just this past week, three of our adult Bible studies started up again, that I'm aware of, three, and a good number more, if you peek at the bulletin, are starting soon. More than small groups, more than Bible studies and classes, we're deliberate about doing every facet of church life with God's Word as our guide, God's Word as our foundation, whether it's uh, the the youth groups, the gatherings meeting again tonight, um, asylum next week. Uh, everything. And, and I can't tell you, and some of you know this because you're the ones that have said it, but how many people have told us as pastors 
and told the elders how much they appreciate how we handle the preaching of God's word here at Faith and how we seek to build our church on it and how we seek to apply it to our day-to-day lives. Obviously, you'd think all of that would be a no-brainer for every church that believes in the Bible. But apparently, that's not the case. Apparently, it's not a no-brainer for all churches. And, and with imperfect human beings leading the church, there's possibilities of getting off track. And then, so we have to be very deliberate about keeping this a priority at faith. But this isn't only the church's job to experience God's word, and it's not only the elder's job. We all take responsibility. Uh, We're also called to experience God's word in our home. And these are these few verses from Deuteronomy 6 that I want to read. And this, this is actually the very first text I ever preached here at Faith. It says beginning at verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So we keep God's commands, his word, upon our hearts. We impress them on our children. We talk about them at home when we walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. We own God's word personally through our quiet times with God's word, with devotionals, with prayer. And if we have children, we lead our family in God's word. When our personal and home devotional life is healthy, we're going to grow spiritually and we're going to be excited to hear God's word Sunday to Sunday. And so uh, we really, the council in the end, really wants to encourage us in our devotional life. No matter where you are this morning, let's take steps forward. If you're not having personal quiet times with the Lord, start. And if you are, what's a step forward that you can take? Can you make those devotional times, your personal devotional times, more consistent? Can you maybe go deeper than you've gone before to a Bible book or a devotional that's a little meatier, a little more challenging for you? Can you spend a little longer time alone with Jesus and his word? And if you have kids and you're not having a devotional time with your kids, it's time to start. My wife, Sarah, has a whole collection of Bible story books for various stages in the family life. Talk to her. A number of you have done this already, but if you haven't and you need something, talk to her. She'll get you hooked up. As far as some of the details of how and when, so the tried and true way throughout the history of the church is to link up our devotional times with our everyday life and everyday tasks, like Deuteronomy talks about. When you wake up, when you go to bed, 
Or maybe you can sneak in time during or after lunch at work. Or use the time you're on the train. Or if you're driving, you can pray. Just please don't close your eyes. But you can pray while you're driving. And if you got the same route, you can use landmarks along the way to pray for specific people on your prayer list, specific things. If you wake up in the middle of the night, pray. Pray until you go back asleep. With uh, the family, how do you do that with the family? Well, the most natural time is before and after meals when you're together anyway. That's the perfect time. Or if that's not working for you, maybe you have to set aside a special weekly time with the family on Sunday afternoons. And the reality is, if you can't find the time to do this, your schedule needs adjusting. We're a very busy family. We have blessed with four kids, and we've been busy for a good number of years with work, with school work. Uh, with music stuff, with sports. And so we often, in order to have as many people as we can around the table together, um, adjust dramatically sometimes when we eat. So most everyone can be there. Um, We did that in particular on Wednesday this past week. I'm not don't have time to get into the details, but we, we adjust that meeting time. And, and if I can't be there because I have to leave for a meeting, Sarah leads. And not that Sarah never ever leads when I'm there, but Sarah takes the lead if I have to come here for a meeting. And, and then we'll read. We ask questions about the reading to the kids depending on their age. A couple of them, one of them, we have to like really get her focused. Are you listening? Are you listening? Until finally... Yeah, and and then those questions often lead to other conversations about our faith and about our lives. I will say with the the home devotions with the family, without effort, without discipline, it's not going to happen. But just as much as we want to put food on the table and clothes on our kids' backs, this is what believing parents are called to do. The dad, as the spiritual head of the home, is called to take the lead on this. But if the wife has to take the lead, then he needs to be 100% on board with her. One way or the other, both parents have to realize and own how vital this devotional time is with the family in order for it to work. And ideally, you start this pattern as soon as you start having kids. And so they grow up with it. They get used to it. Us and our kids, knowing God's word and growing in it, guess what? That's not primarily the church's job. That's not primarily a Christian school's job. That's the parents' job, according to the Bible. The home is the foundation for spiritual life. I got to be very quick now to follow up with how thankful I am, and I'm sure we all are, that God is so gracious because we've blown it in terms of our own devotional life. We've let work, TV, sports take priority 
We've blown it with family devotions. We've made little to no effort at it sometimes. We're not committed. We're not scheduling the family right. We've gotten our families too busy. We've been downright lazy personally and in our families. All of us. Me too. But God is so gracious that we can start fresh and we can start new patterns and new priorities and new healthy habits in our lives with the Holy Spirit's help anytime, today. So we experience God's word in the church, in the home, and, and really briefly this morning, in our life. Second Timothy 3 says the scriptures, God breathed, powerful, all that stuff, all of that, what is it? It's to equip us for every good work. And so we take uh, the word out with us. It's not a light to be kept hidden in the church. It's not to be kept hidden in our homes with the blind shut, right? We've got something different, something striking, something powerful, supernatural to offer out there in the darkness. In our relationships, and Pastor Matthew is going to talk about the relational pillar next week, in our relationships, as we live in this world, people will see a new creature in Jesus Christ in you as you are being transformed by God's word and by his spirit. The group that's on the way to Mexico right now is bringing the light and the word of life with them. And we're all doing that wherever we go, wherever our mission field is. And so may God bless us to experience his word in this church, in all of life, and especially in our homes as we strive to grow devotionally in our personal and family quiet times. Amen. Let's pray. O oh Lord, at all levels of our lives, our, our corporate worship with God's people like today, the, the, the different things you call us to in the life outside of our homes, and especially, O oh God, in our homes, Help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to grow devotionally. May we do that personally. If you've blessed us with children, give us the wisdom and give us uh, the courage. Give us uh, the time and give us the energy to do that with our families. And if we need some advice on that, whether it's our personal devotions or family devotions. Help us, oh God, to seek that and help folks to know that uh, both me and Pastor Matthew, as well as our wives, are here, ready to help, and I'm sure uh, all of our elders are as well, and our deacons, that, that we want, oh God, each one of us, each home represented here, uh, to grow deeper in our walk with you. And may we experience that word there and in this church and all of life as we go in very special ways. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.